Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, fitness for real people, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. On today's episode, Gabrielle interviews Andy Chan, a certified strength and conditioning specialist, educator, and presenter from Hong Kong. Andy's book, Dynamic Balance, discusses a unique outlook on health and athletic performance by integrating Chinese medicine into his training philosophy. And now here's your host, personal trainer and stretch therapist, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People. I'm your host, Gabby Mazar. And on today's episode, I have Andy Chan, fitness professional. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me, Gabby. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on this show. Um, you've written a book. Um, you have a master's in exercise science and uh, you have been studying exercise and, and uh, the industry for a long time. You were here for 10 years in the United States, uh, learning about everything in fitness industry. So tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do. Sure, yeah. Uh, I think these days, if you go on the internet, so let's say if someone has a health and fitness goal, you know, you go on the internet and you search for whatever you're looking for, chances are you find an overwhelming amount of information out there that perhaps hinders you from starting more than encouraging. And I always tell people my job as a coach, as an author, as a presenter is to educate people so that they don't actually have to waste time implementing practices that ultimately hinders or is detrimental to their performance, but actually incorporate practices that will help them thrive and reach that optimal performance point. Yeah, it's really, there's so, uh, so much overwhelming information out there and so many people that actually call themselves fitness experts out there that really, you know, went and got some online certification and, and really don't know and can actually be harmful to people. So it's, it's, you want to find somebody that's educated, that knows what they're talking about, and that really can get to the point to get you to where you want to be instead of giving you a bunch of mumbo jumbo and information that is just not going to be helpful to you. Right. So, yeah. And, and oh, sorry, just, just no, to kind of add, add on to that. I think, you know, for those who are listening, the, one of the greatest problems, you know, along the lines of certifications is when you hire a coach today, you actually have no idea what the credentials mean. Uh, because let's be honest, you know, every organization out there, has an amazing name. It's always <laughs> something, something great academy. And, and, and so, you know, what, what the listener has all to do is actually just go online and search that certification and don't just assume that if there are many letters other than the credentials that we all know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and other than that, you really have to ask, you know, the coach, so what organization are you actually from? Uh, so that I don't just see these random credentials. Yeah, absolutely. You want to know that people have their, your best interests in mind as well, because you can really get hurt with people. I, I've definitely seen people that have come to me with injuries from just going to some random trainer at the gym and didn't know how to modify for whatever they needed or was were teaching them an exercise incorrectly and they really hurt themselves. And even some clients that have had to have surgery or corrective surgeries because of it. So it, wow. it can be very, very dangerous. So you uh, wrote a book, Dynamic Balance. Can you tell me a little bit about your book and why you decided to write this book? 
Yep. So dynamic balance, uh, we in dynamic balance, I co-wrote this book with a Chinese medicine practitioner who has a PhD in Chinese medicine. And the idea was to look into the intersection between fitness and Chinese medicine. Um, and, and actually, this idea came about during my master's degree in exercise science. So as part of the degree, we had to do a statistics course that would help us interpret research because, you know, in the industry now, it's all about evidence-based practice in, in, in quotation. And, and everyone throws that term around like it's nothing. And, and the problem is not many, not many people actually understand how research is conducted and how to interpret the results uh, wider the results are valid. And so as part of the degree, we had to learn about, you know, the, the way that the design, uh, design or the research uh, is designed and stuff, et cetera. So uh, in one of the projects, we get to pick our own question that we were interested in and, and that we could just research or we could look into the database uh, on, on the subject. And for me, I was really curious in cubbing at the time uh, because of Michael Phelps. So in the Olympics, Michael Phelps had these purple dots on his back uh, from cubbing marks and people were curious because just like, they're like, you know, what is this? Is this hurtful to the body? Is this harmful? Is this actually helpful? And so for the project, I looked at the efficacy of cubbing. And while I was going into the database and while I was looking on the internet, I found that there were two perspectives on these Eastern modalities. And they could be cubbing, they could be acupuncture, they could be gua sha, um, et cetera. And the first perspective was the Western human movement science perspective, where people look at the fascia or the soft tissue that wraps around your muscles. And they wanted to know, okay, when I apply these modalities, what is happening to the state of my soft tissue? Am I relaxing it? Am I, am I, is it becoming more rigid? Is it becoming more fluid? What's happening to my mind when I apply these techniques to the body? So it's something more physical and tangible. The second perspective was the Chinese medicine perspective, which was things, which, you know, was a bit, mystical and at the time for me um, just because you know bear in mind I grew up in Hong Kong right so I was born and raised in Hong Kong and I was in the States for 10 years so out of everyone I should have some familiarity with the language that's used yet when I go on these websites you know I've got things like qi blood yin yang five elements uh, all these Chinese terminology terms that I wasn't familiar with so I had a light bulb moment because I, I realized if me as a uh, uh, health and fitness professional with Chinese background. If I don't understand it, then then the, then the average coach from the states would definitely not understand it. And and right. this is where things got you know mistranslated and people are misinformed and misunderstood. So you know ever since then I I, I figured perhaps I could do a project where I unpack Chinese medicine for athletes and for fitness enthusiasts. So uh, eventually that's what I did. And I think now six years later ever since that project, uh, the book is published. So how do you feel that your 10 year stay in the United States affected that affected the creation of this book or affected your thought process on wanting to integrate the, the two things, the Chinese medicine and fitness? Yeah, I would say I would say this comes in two parts. And first is that I'm really proud of my American education. And, and that is because it taught us to be critical thinkers. Now, not Everyone turns out to be critical thinkers, obviously, uh, but, but I, I like to think that we, uh, it, the, the, the coach in general, you know, it, it, it encourages us to be critical thinkers and it encourages us to step outside the box. And certainly with writing a book, it is quite a daunting task. Now, I, I understand that these days there's so many authors around that you don't, you kind of 
underappreciate how difficult it is to write a book because anyone can write a book. But if, if those who are serious about writing a book, it is a daunting and, and serious task. And, and actually that's, that's in many parts due to the American education because you know, in the Asian culture, we're, we're, we're taught to conform, you know, we're just taught to listen. And a lot of times you don't really think about what you can bring to society because what you focus in is, is to listen to authority. So I'm just really glad that I, I got the education in the U.S. because it allows me to just step off my comfort zone. Now, the second part is um, in America, being a go-getter or being a hustler is, is encouraged, right? So we, we have to work hard. We have to put in the grind and... and <laughs> <clears throat> and this is actually why I wrote a book on recovery. So Dying Bounds, the Chinese medicine perspective, and, and, and actually for majority of the book, we talk a lot about recovery because it's this mindset that we have to continually just go get it, be hyper, be a go-getter, be a performer that actually is detrimental to our health more than other things because we're just in a state of chronic stress. So um, yeah, so this really comes into part one in, in the fact that I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone too. I think it's it's the mindset of just go get it that is actually hindering us in the long run. Yeah, I, I love that you touched on that because I wanted to actually touch on recovery and recovery strategies that you discussed because I think it is so important. And you're definitely right. <clears throat> I just spent a couple weeks in uh, Italy and Barcelona the past few weeks and Whoa. <clears throat> the lifestyle is just very, very different. So you look at how the American lifestyle is. We don't stop ever. It's you get up in the morning, you pick up your coffee, you go to work, you go to work from you know eight to five or nine to seven or, or whatever it is. And then even when you're at home, you're with your family, you're working, you're going, 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 and you're still doing your job. You're working weekends and there's never a stopping point. And the emphasis on self-care, which is, you know, the new buzzword, really isn't there. But when you're in other cultures and, and you're around other other cultures, the it, you you wake up in the morning and people are sitting and having their coffee. <clears throat> and, you know, they close in the afternoon. They just close. Or, you know, one of the things we asked, we were in Majorca. And someone asked, oh, what time do the shops open? And they said, whenever they wake up. I mean, granted, Majorca is about this big, but you know, the, the thought process is so different, but the stress level is not there. So our recovery is just non-existent. So can you explain some of your recovery strategies, some of the things that you touch on in your book or some of the things that you do personally or, or with clients that you work with? Yeah, I, I love the fact that you brought up, you know, Barcelona and, and kind of Italy, the, the Mediterranean uh, diet, because here comes another point, And that is when, when we think about recovery, we also have to take the diet into consideration. And, and a lot of times in this wellness movement in, in the States, certainly when I go on social media, people just talk about retreats or they talk about breathing exercises or they mm -hmm. talk about meditation classes. But, but we know, as you, as you point out, Gabby, it's a lifestyle thing, right? right. And you've got to eat the right foods and, and do the right thing. So um, in, in terms of recovery strategy, we first look at their diet. And, and the number one thing that I, that's kind of stands out to me from the Mediterranean diet is things are usually fresh, 
And we know that in the United States, things are usually not fresh. Right. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and when things are not fresh, you have to cook it, you have to process it. Um, just because there's there's no natural sweetness. Whereas, you know, if you're just eating some some fresh olives, you know, the, the taste is a lot richer and, and as a result, we can enjoy it more. So the first step that I encourage my clients is to get some fresh fruit. Uh, mm -hmm. That's already going to solve a lot of problems when it comes to the lack of taste. Because I think that the biggest problem why people stay away from healthy foods, quote unquote, is because they think it's quite bland. Right. But when you're in Barcelona having fresh seafood, I don't think the taste will be bland just because it's so fresh. And with Not the environment, you know, you're sitting there with, with some wine and you're talking with friends and it makes it a great atmosphere. So fresh fruit in a diet. And second recovery strategy. Personally, I, I think the idea of going to a meditation class once per week is great. But for me, it, it's all about how can we downregulate or calm down our nervous system throughout the day. So, for example, <clears throat> right now I teach about eight to ten sessions a day, and and so for me, I, I have to find breaks in between sessions to calm down. So, what I usually do is I just do breathing practice. Right, a lot of times it, it doesn't sound as glamorous as maybe other recovery strategies out there. But if we just focus on the breathing, like many historic coaches have been, then, then actually we can calm our minds down. And when we calm our minds down, that's when we will be able to digest. And that's when our muscles will become more pliable, um, as most of us can attest to the fact that we're, we're more likely more stiff than we want. And, and, and actually, that's just a result of us being in that fight or flight state, uh, because in the fight or flight state, our, our soft tissue, our, our fascia has to tense up because we, we, we have to be ready to fight the perceived threat. And, and a good way to combat that is just by using breathing so that we can calm our minds and we can bring, uh, we can, we can kind of bring ourselves back to the rest and digest state where digestion, where we become more pliable and we're, we're a bit happier. Yeah. And I think it doesn't have to be glamorous. I think people are always are looking for some miraculous thing when it's very, very simple things like changing small things in your diet and doing daily practice like breathing or meditation and a, a three to five minute meditation a day has proven to make huge, huge improvements in people's levels of stress and health and brainwave patterns and just overall health it's 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 huge and makes such a huge impact and doesn't have to be this like overhaul of your entire life you know oh absolutely agree you know sometimes i these days thankfully and 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 gratefully i, I had the opportunity to deliver corporate workshops for different corporations. And a lot of times we have to write proposals because uh, they because they want to make sure that what I'm saying is legit, I guess. And, and a lot of times I'll tell them that, okay, I'm going to talk about breathing as, as a core practice. We're going to all practice breathing, especially for, you know, big corporates that they're stressed throughout the day. It's a great practice to do right before lunch, after lunch, or after a meeting, before a meeting, you know, anywhere, anywhere that you, you find useful. And usually the feedback will be like, Oh wait, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, because I understand. You know, if if they're paying, you know, the the amount of money required to get me in to do a workshop, you know, they want something that's whoa, life changing. But when I just say breathing, they're like, <laughs> "What do you mean? I'm breathing every single day." Uh, but all that, <laughs> so all that to say, those who listen, don't be put off. I, I'm telling you, if you do work and you're breathing, take some deep breaths. It goes a long way. I promise. 
Yeah, we I own a Pilates studio and and breath is one of the major components of what we do because when you get your breath in line with what you're doing your whole body starts to sink in and it's you know it's important. The breath is important. It is. It is so, critical. <clears throat> tell me a little bit for people that don't know a lot about Chinese medicine. Can you tell me a little bit about Chinese medicine and exactly what it is? Because most people, when they think about medicine, they think about pills and prescriptions and doctor visits and, you know, all the things medical. But Chinese medicine has been around for thousands of years, and there's a lot more to it than, you know, say, just acupuncture. So can you go a little bit into that and tell us about that? Sure, I'd love to. So I would say a, a main overarching theme of Chinese medicine is that it is a preventative medicine. So rather than being reactive to a disease, although it can, uh, it's more about evaluating our current lifestyle or current body states so that we can be in the strongest position possible to fight against possible diseases and illnesses. Now, I think the part, uh, actually, as I was doing my research on Chinese medicine, I realized that they're a lot more in common than people thought previously. And that is, you know, in, in physiology, we, we would always talk about the idea of homeostasis, you know, the mm -hmm. self-regulating process that the body goes through to ensure that we survive and thrive. And if you think about Western physiology, we've got metrics like pH, blood sugar level, um, temperature, all that. And, and, and the part that got confusing is in Chinese medicine, they just used another subset of languages. And those are qi, blood, yin, yang, five elements. Now, in Chinese medicine, every single terminology has two, me two connotations to it or two meanings to it. One is the functional meaning, and second is more of a conceptual slash philosophical meaning. And that's usually where people get confused. So let's take the word qi, for example, which I, I would say most people have heard of, but perhaps don't really understand what the term actually means. So qi, functionally speaking, it just is just referring to energy. Now, in Chinese medicine, they believe that everything has energy. So human has energy, your plant has energy, the rock has energy. And that's why you see in some religions, um, they, 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 will, they will perform some ceremonies on the rock just, just kind of to get to understand uh, the energy of, of the rock and, and, and that. So, um, so functionally, it means energy. Now, conceptually, it, it, it just, it's more of a concept as well because it is something that you cannot see. Right. Um, so today, if you talk to a Chinese practitioner, you ask them, so what is qi? They'd be like, oh, something that you cannot see. Because in theory and in concept, it is a, con it is a force that sustains all living uh, mechanism or all, all living organisms. So, um, so that's, that's really what it is. And, and then when you go into, when you go to Chinese medicine practitioner, they'll look at whether you are balanced as in homeostasis, right? So they have different body states and and then mainly, if we elaborate further, they'll look at a few things because they'll look at what's look inside at and what's outside. Yeah, they'll look at tongue. <laughs> and, and the tongue is to tell you your current body state because <laughs> if you think about our, our outside conditions, it's always changing, right? Mm -hmm. Be it the season, be it the weather, be it the climate, be it the geographic location. Like when you, when you go on a vacation, you, you most likely have a different mood uh, because of the temperature, because of the weather. And as such, our, our body state is a bit different. So that's kind of what they look at and whether we're coping all right with this running environment because Charles Madison, uh, 
believes that injuries result whenever we're not able to cope with the changes uh, in surrounding environment. Okay. So that's what Chinese medicine is, preventative medicine. We have to know that every single term has both a functional meaning and a philosophical-ish meaning to it. And a lot of times we're just looking at why did the body's balance and why did the body's able to cope with changes surrounding it. So really, how do you take the two things and meld them together? How do you take the Chinese medicine and really integrate it with the strength and conditioning? How does that, how does that work and how do you get that, those two things to function in a program? Yeah, it, it does seem like it, they're not related at all, does it? <laughs> <A little> and- <laughs> I mean, yes and no. They are related in strength and conditioning and fitness as health is preventative, you know, uh-huh. because you're trying to prevent illness. So it, it does make sense that they would work together. But in terms of, uh, um, I, and I guess it would also be kind of considered medicine as well, but it's not really philosophical in any way that I can see or that I would understand. So to yeah. me, like how the two things would go together and work together, you know, is kind of a foreign concept. Sure. Well, the first first concept I will actually use is the yin yang philosophy. And, and people are like, whoa, what has the yin yang philosophy got to do with strength and conditioning? Well, as we said, the yin yang philosophy, like every other term, has both a functional meaning and like conceptual philosophical meaning. So functionally speaking, the yin yang, it just means opposite contrary yet contradictory yet complementary forces that are going against each other and it just means opposites well again it's more conceptual philosophical because here we're not talking about something concrete we're just talking about phenomenons that happens in life that there's always opposites and certainly when you apply that to strength and conditioning we'll know that again traditionally speaking strength and conditioning is all about me being in rigorous practice i'm gonna go go get it i'm gonna push my body to the limit. And what we realize even in strength and conditioning is that it just doesn't make sense because the results or the adaptation of my body, my training outcome hinges upon my body's ability to tolerate, to recover from, and to adapt to a, a given stimulus. And if we just push the body all the time, if we're just in in that aggressive state all the time, you know, the body doesn't recover and an injury will result. So the first thing that we have to, or the first connection that we have to draw is that the yin yang philosophy is actually applicable to strength and conditioning. And it just points to the, the fact that we need to do more recovery. So right, right off the bat, we, uh, I tell people that and, and they'll say, oh, okay, so the yin yang philosophy, it makes a bit more sense. And then the second is we take the idea of meridians into, into practice. And so for those who are not familiar, the meridian system, essentially their pathways where the Chinese medicine scholars believe that they are channels through which um, the body transfer energy to different organs. So if you think about different highways, this would be like an interstate highway where different, how different organs would communicate and how they would transport nutrients to each other. Like a highway, you, you, you don't want there to be congestion because whenever there's congestion then you know your your energy or or circulation won't be flowing as much on the other hand you don't want too many reckless drivers out there just because injuries will also result when when there's too much energy or too much traffic uh, too much reckless drivers right and in the very in the very same way uh we 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 look at the body this way now actually over the past few years with the movement-based training in 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 the fitness industry we realize that training is all about me moving in sync 
right? I, I loved how you mentioned in your Pilates studio, you focus on the breath because once you get the, the breathing right, your body will be in sync. Well, you know, it doesn't even have to be Chinese medicine. Throughout Asian cultures, we have been searching for elegant movements, right? <laughs> As humans, we look at dancers and we look at Pilates practitioners. I'm sure your students will be like, whoa, Gabby, that's a, that's a beautiful movement. I can never do it. But, but all the time, have this all, the time. <laughs> all the time, all the time. But, you know, we, it's, it's this innate ability to recognize elegant movements that tells us we're actually born to do this. And, and so what it means is that in, when we bring Chinese medicine into strength and conditioning is that we have to rediscover elegant movement because LeBron James, Serena Williams, all these amazing athletes, even though they're strong, their movements are fluid and they're smooth. And, and that's kind of the, the overarching principles of, of, my strength and conditioning philosophy. And that is, it is not all about just bulky, strong, 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 but how can we train the athlete to move better? Because the best athletes are the ones who can move best. And if we can all discover that, that movement capability, capability, then I believe nothing can stop us. And, and of course, then we recover. Can you elaborate on, because you keep, keep saying that your movement-based, your movement-based theory, movement-based. So you have a movement-based approach to your training. Can you elaborate on that and what that means? Uh, obviously you talked about Serena Williams and, and LeBron James and their movements, but, but tell me what exactly you mean and how that applies to just anybody. Yep. So traditionally, if you go into the gym, you're going to find that they're bunch of bulky machines and and on the machines i'll tell you this works the pecs this works the lats this works yada 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 and and the idea was you take basketball for example you're gonna take you're gonna look at the sport of basketball and you're gonna think ah so when i'm jumping i'm using my legs i'm using my quads and then my abs are there to transfer force and then i use my triceps to shoot the ball so when they go into the gym they will do some leg press where you sit on the machine and you kind of kick the legs out. And then you go on to the cable machine where you do some tricep work just because you think that's going to help you shoot the ball. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if, if we take the idea of movement-based training, then we'll know that this type of isolated muscle work is detrimental because it throws off the body's natural rhythm to produce movement. Right. If you look at Steph Curry, when he shoots the basketball, it's quite effortless. That's because he, he's got the timing right. Like he could shoot from midcourt and it's just a little hop. That's because he's using his legs. So in the gym, a movement-based training will be where we focus on the primal movement patterns. So let's say that shooting a basketball will say that's essentially a squatting movement plus a pushing movement. It's just a squat and a push. So if, if we can do something similar, let's say if I hold onto a dumbbell and I do a push press or something where I just squat down and push up, there I get to teach my body how to first use my legs and use my core to transfer force and then use my upper body to finish the movement based on the momentum I generated from my lower body. So that is going to have a bigger carry over to the sport than me just sitting down on, on the bench and doing some shoulder press. Right. You see what I'm saying? You yeah, see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think, and, and basically there are different movement patterns, right? So you've got squat, you've got push, you've got pull, you've got lunge or step, and you've got rotation. Um, because when, when I work with golfers or any rotational athletes, it's the rotation that matter. And, and yet, you know, if we just go down to the traditional mindset, people go there and they do some, they go onto the machine that kind of twists the lower body. Um, <laughs> and, and, and then they find that it doesn't help their game. Um, but that's because they, they don't actually learn to rotate and, and interact with the ground. So that in a nutshell is uh, movement-based training. 
I, I love that you mentioned that because <clears throat> I have never loved those machines. One, because it's one plane of motion. You, you know, you're, you're doing a push here. Okay, great. But you're not really engaging any other muscles. You're not doing anything else other than pushing on a huge bulky machine it's not teaching you to do anything so it's it's not functional there's no function to it yeah okay it might get you some bigger muscles maybe for those that are that are learning to bulk that are that are already training in that manner it's useful because they are training in those movement based ways and they are they're already doing the things that they need to do to do their strength and conditioning in that way so they're bulking in other ways but it's for for the average person they're they can get hurt they do get hurt because they're not using it properly they're not strengthening all the muscles that they need to they're using machines that they probably shouldn't be on with weight that's too heavy in positions that they shouldn't be in and it's kind of like it's it's not it's not the greatest thing you know if it would be better for you to pick up a, a light kettlebell and swing it a hundred times you know it'd be better for you to run short sprints it'd be better for you to you know pick up some ropes and do some battle ropes there's a million different things that you can do that would not injure you the way that those big bulky machines would by overloading them and pushing in this one plane of motion with with you know heavy weights in a, in a movement that you might not even be you know in necessarily in the right positioning either because let's say me at 54 and a man at 56 sitting in the same position pushing in the same direction not that's not where you're supposed to be yeah you might move the seat up but do you i don't know probably not you know and do you know where it's supposed to be like yeah if the seat is movable what? <laughs> so i i just i've never really cared for those machines because i've just seen way too many people get hurt on them and i would much rather people grab a pair of five pound weights ten pound weights a light kettlebell some battle ropes or or something that's going where you're moving and using using your legs using your upper body using your core to actually move while you're doing the exercise so yeah and 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 i already i already know what i've said so far has already triggered some reaction from the diehard fans <laughs> of machines and and this is where i have to make a critical point and 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 that is what you do in the gym is driven by your goals and, and what are you looking for, right? Today, you know, right. so far our, our conversations on really training for strength and conditioning and even for longevity, because the fact that we're talking about not pushing the same, same direction all the time, it, it, it kind of minimizes the chances of overuse injuries um, because we, we do know that a lot of times a lot of injuries occurs because of overuse. And, in the meanwhile, if your goal is to just become better looking for the beach, or if you're a bodybuilder, then it is, it is necessary to do those repetitive movements to stimulate muscle growth. So, you know, all that to say, today, we're coming at a perspective that talks sure. about strength and conditioning and, and everyday functional living. Um, but right. if, if your goal is really to just look good for the beach, then, you know, <laughs> go for it. But Gabby and I, we don't like the machines because it's and, but even to boring. Say even on top of that, though, if that's your goal as well, I still would say 
stay away from those machines because you can still do repetitive movements. I mean, my background, my training is actually in weightlifting and heavy weightlifting. I, I learned from a bodybuilder. So what I learned in the very beginning of my career was bodybuilding. So we did a lot of repetitive movements and I actually really enjoy it. But, but as far as machines go, I, I much, I much prefer free weights or much prefer building muscle in a more functional way necessarily than on the machines. And not to say that they don't do their job. I have just seen in my career over the past 15 years, much more injury when people use machines because they normally overload them or just don't necessarily know how to use them. If you're using free weights, if they're too heavy, you can't pick them up. <laughs> good point good point good so point. it's just you know from from my experience and what i've seen uh i just i don't love them but they do serve a purpose and if it gets somebody out there and into the gym and actually moving i'm all for it too you know i definitely want people out there and exercising and moving and doing something rather than nothing at all right oh always always every time always. so if you go and you don't know what to do and there's a picture on the thing and it shows you what to do and you're doing it go for it power to you i'm i'm a hundred percent behind you and i support it absolutely so um with your book you take the two things with chinese medicine you take your strength and conditioning your movement-based um approach is all in there and people can buy your book on Amazon dynamic balance. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Hudson. I think it's even in target now. The last time I checked uh, oh, target.com. Cool. Yeah, awesome. yeah. It's, it's awesome. everywhere. No excuse not to buy one. No, you got to buy one. Not, not, not to go to anyone, but I just did <laughs> a, a shameless plug. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, if you need some recovery strategies, you have some in there as well. And I think that it's definitely important to learn those and have those in our lifestyle because it just is so much, so much go, go, go in our lives as I've always known, but just had it in my face the last couple of weeks. So is there anything you want to leave our listeners with today that you think is important? Well, I think we should better understand our current body state. Um, because I, I think the, the idea that our mood, our emotions, kind of our body state, the idea that it will be impacted by the current season and by the current geographical location and by our foods is still somewhat foreign um, to the average American that I know, certainly. So I think if, if everyone can just for the next few weeks, after you listen to this episode, just think about, oh, actually, my, my mood and my body condition, my my motivation changes depending on the season I'm in. If you can just draw that connection, then I think you make um, better health-informed choices uh, when it comes to diet and, and the things that you do because they're all inseparably linked. Yeah, and then you'll feel better and look better and live longer and live better. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Andy. Um, I will have links to your book and your website on the show notes. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I love what you had to offer today. I'm like 100% right on the same page as you. And I totally believe in Chinese medicine. I do all of it. So <laughs> oh, I love that you linked the two. I think that it's super important uh, for people to know that, uh, you know, 
these things have been around forever and to be preventative, to be proactive with your health is very, very important. So thank you so much for doing that and for, for linking the two and writing a book about it and doing all the research. So really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me, Gabby. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much everyone for listening and we will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. If you would like more information on today's episode, you can find it in the show notes and on Gabrielle's website at www.destinationfitcations.com. Visit to keep an eye out for upcoming fitcations. Be sure to share the show, give this podcast a review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Join us next week to hear more stories from people just like you. This has been the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People with Gabrielle Mazar.